man, the snow's on the ground. I think I finally hit the Christmas spirit today. I walked in here and see this cool setup. I was like, yeah, it might be Christmas. I'm ready. I haven't been ready until today. I was like, I think it hit me. The Christmas spirit just hit me. So um, either that or it was that donut I had. I'm not sure which. But uh, anyway, hey, uh, we are super excited about today. Um, I, my, th- we have a, a special guest for you, um, and, and he's going to bring the word. And some of you reiterated this morning that you're thankful that you're not going to hear my corny jokes. Um, but I'm not going to guarantee he won't have any. So, so there you go. But, uh, but Pastor Scott Drummond, his wife Kirsten, and their Josh and Matthew, their, their kids here. Uh, we go way back. I mean, way back when I first got saved and gave my life to Jesus, they were my pastors. They were the, the people that took me in. And, man, I was a mess, let me believe. I lived with them for a, a couple, a little bit of time. I'm not sure. It seemed like eternity to them, I'm sure. But, uh, but then, Josh, I'm really bitter about you because you changed my whole world. Because they got pregnant with Josh and they kicked me out for him. So go figure. So every time I see him, I still kind of just get bitter. Um, but uh, but, but it, they, they really, Pastor Scott and Kirsten, Scott performed our wedding for Shelly and I. Um, so they, they've been around since, I can literally say the beginning of, uh, of my, my spiritual walk, my spiritual life with Jesus. And uh, they mean the world to us. I mean, I can't stress enough how much they mean to us. And, uh, and, and he's by far one of the best communicators you're ever going to hear on the planet, and I mean that. So without further ado, would you welcome my pastor, Pastor Scott Drummond. There we go. Hopefully we're on and you can hear me. Um, again, thank you so much for having me. It is absolutely my honor to be here. Um, as Buddy said, we do go way back. Uh, we've got some... Stories. I'm not going to fill you in on them. I want you to respect your pastor. Um, what he, he didn't share with you is um, uh, my wife and I, we've celebrated our 20th anniversary this year. And it was also um, our 20th anniversary being in ministry, uh, pastoring. And the thing is, um, when we started, uh, and this was the church that, that Buddy gave his life to, what he didn't say was um, I had just turned 23, and I was voted in as the lead pastor of the church that I grew up in. Um, 23 is too young. Uh, It's funny, I look back on that, and I'm thinking, I wouldn't have voted for me, you know? Um, It's funny how that works, because I felt like when I was 23, I knew everything there was to know, and the world was waiting for my ministry, and quite honestly, they really weren't. But So I look back at the time with Buddy and Shelly, and uh, I look back and I think, Lord, I pray that I didn't do anything that would steer them off course so bad that you or a good counselor couldn't fix. Um, and so I, in all honesty, I couldn't be more proud of Buddy and Shelly, uh, what they're doing, how they're following the call of God in their life. And, and uh, I know probably for each and every one of you in this room, you have a story. You can remember a moment, a word, an encouragement, the hug. Uh, even just to, for them to faithfully create this environment that you could encounter Christ in. Um, it's a very big deal, and it's a life-changing thing. And so to know that our lives have been impacted um, because of Bud and she- Buddy and Shelly, um, as a pastor, um, I feel with great pride over that. Um, it's like he's one of my kids. Not so much. I'll still kick him out of my house for my own, but uh, the fact that uh, something very personal for me. And again, I'm very thankful for being here, especially in this season. I'm a, I love Christmas. I do. Um, my wife loves it all year round. I love it seasonally. 
Um, my wife is the person that when she sees a Christmas store, you know what a Christmas store? I've never understood Christmas stores before, like how you could create a business that sells Christmas stuff year-round, but it happens because there's people in the world just like my wife. Um, every time of year is a great Christmas opportunity, uh, but for me, it's got to be, I've got to get to the back end of Thanksgiving, and then I can officially start the Christmas season. At that moment in my life, I can actually turn my radio on to 93.3, run the Christmas carols, even though it's the same 12 songs over and over again, uh, but I can engage it. And another reason why I love Christmas, quite honestly, is I, my, my love language is gifts, and I love presents, and that sounds very shallow, but I'm okay with that. Um, and if, if you've ever, uh, if, if your, your love language is, is gifts, then it means it can go two ways. A good gift is something that someone puts effort and energy and time and attention into, not necessarily a lot of money, but that they really thought about it. If, you're, if your love language is gifts, one of the worst things you can ever get is a gift card. Not that you're ever going to turn it down, because then you'll just go buy yourself gifts. But you feel like, oh, you, you feel like they didn't put a whole lot of thought into this. Now, I do have some people in my life that want to give me gifts at Christmas, and they don't know me well enough to give me a good present. And so a gift card is completely okay, as far as I'm concerned. But for me, the difference between a really good Christmas and a not-so-good Christmas is the type of gifts, and that's totally a first-world problem that I have. Um, but it's like even last year, my wonderful wife, she, um, after 20 years, she put some tremendous thought and attention into her gift giving for me. And for me to be surprised with a great gift is kind of a pretty big deal. Um, I'm a food lover. Uh, I love to cook. I love, I love food experiences. Like I love to go to new places just to try new things. It doesn't even mean it's got to be the greatest meal in the world, but I just love to try uh, new things, be in new environments. And so last year, it was a couple days before Christmas, um, there was this wrapped present, but it wasn't under the tree, and it had my name on it. It was in a refrigerator that is in our garage, which is somewhat of a unique place for a wrapped present. Uh, but you, you're, you are tipped off already like, what's going on here? This is not the normal place for a present. And if it's in the refrigerator, you deduct that it's probably food related, which all of a sudden you're headed down the right road. You combine my love of food and my love of gifts all into the same vein. Um, I absolutely love it. And it turned out that my wife did some research and she found, this is going to sound hokey to some of you, but this is my world she found this Coney Dog place that's famous out of Michigan that they were able to put things in a dry ice container, the hot dogs, the buns, the Coney sauce, an onion, and a Coney hat, <laughs> and ship it. Now, what that translates into is she spent a ridiculous amount of money on Coney Dogs, but that's not the point. The point is, is there is this experience that she created for me through this gift and with, you know, the avenue of food. And I absolutely loved it. It was one of the best presents I ever received. So for me, a great Christmas, it can be around presents and, um, you know, and certainly all the cookies and the food and everything. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. Uh, Christmas is not a downer of a season for me, but I know that I can be in the minority. I know that for so many people, when Christmas comes around, 
It is a season that's not about joy. It's not about fun. It's a, it's a season of heartache. If we're honest, it's a season of pain. It's a season of, of remorse. It's a season of loss. And instead of Christmas being the highlight and the great finish to the year, it becomes this season where you're forced to remember certain parts of your life that you wish that you could just forget. There's parts of shame, embarrassment, pain from your past. And I know that, that because of that, there is a God that says, I want to do something about it. And I know that you've started a, a series, maybe it was even last week, you started a series called White Christmas. And I want to continue that on for you, believing that God has a plan and a heart not just so that we could all have a great Christmas, but I think it goes so much deeper than that and so much more meaningful than that, is that he knows that many of us are in pain. And the thought of what if this Christmas that pain gets a little less, the remorse gets a little less, that, that hole in your heart starts to be filled. Because the very center and the very reason why Christmas is here is not for the presence and the joy and the coney dogs. It is for those that were hurting and the, the reality that God saw a world that was broken, that needed help. The Bible calls it needed a physician. And that's why we have Christmas. And so if you're here today and you're like, this Christmas is, is not the fun time. And so even as you saw the snow and you see all the Christmas lights and the trees and you hear the Christmas music, it doesn't raise within you feelings of joy and excitement, then I want to say for you, above all, this season is for you. There's a, a verse that comes out of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, and I think this is even kind of a central verse for you throughout this series, and it says this, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. In other words, God is saying, hey, let's actually deal with this once and for all. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool, if you only obey me. The thought is this, and there's this correlation that, that God has given, saying, hey, we've got some issues that we need to deal with. There are some things in your life and some things that you have done and you're going to take responsibility for, but there's a whole lot of things in your life, there's a whole lot of hurts and pains that were done to you. You weren't the cause, you were just the recipient, it was not your fault, but there were things that have come in and they've affected you. And I believe God is saying, hey, let's deal with those things and let's even deal with them once and for all because my heart is that you would have healing to such a point and to such an extent that it would look like such a difference as something that goes from bright red to white. That there is this dichotomy being created and God is saying, it's going to be such a drastic difference when I get a hold of your heart, when I get a hold of your life and when I bring a healing into your life and to think that this is what God wants to do in us. But if we look at this and we realize that many of us are hurt, it's usually started by something that all of us have dealt with at some point in our life. And that is at some point, somebody did something that offended us. We got our, our feelings of hurt. And even when I say offended, I'm not talking about like um, your delicate sensitivities were hurt. Like the first time that you found out that Disney produced a movie that had a cuss word in it, and you're like, I'm so offended. 
It's like, that's ticky-tacky stuff. I'm talking about the, the, the kind of offense where it's like, you, you got fired from a job and you feel like you didn't do anything wrong. The kind of offense um, where you were embarrassed in, in front of the whole class at your school because the teacher said something that totally um, insulted you or insulted your intelligence, your, your ability to understand something. I'm talking about the kind of offense of, that can be caused by a parent when they intentionally favor your sibling over you. I'm talking about the kind of offense when your spouse insults you repeatedly in public. I'm talking about the kind of offense that when your spouse leaves. These are things that hurt. These are things that, that don't just get brushed off. These are things that, that they do cut deep. It's like they've got a sharp edge to them. And we don't walk them off and we don't shake them off. We now walk with a limp because of them. Because it hurts. Because we are beings and creatures that, that feel. And so we just want to know how to make it. And for many of us, we, we try to just wrap ourselves up. It's like we give ourselves a bandage and then we do our best to just move on. But the hurt is deep and it never really leaves. And it's not an issue of time heals all wounds. Because even like for many of you probably in this room, every Christmas it's a trigger. It's a memory of an offense that was called a hurt that was inflicted upon you. I mean, the Bible even says it this way, and this is where the Bible has some verses in it which are not good news, by the way. It's kind of a statement of reality. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, it says this, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. That's a real positive verse, Scott. Thanks for sharing that with us today. In Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it says this, then he, being Jesus, said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, Jesus is trying to say for us, hey, we're going to live in a world where offense is going to happen. Hurts are going to come your way. Things are going to be said. Disappointments are going to be had. There are going to be things that affect your heart. Because they're coming from other broken people, and they're going to cut, and they're going to cut deep. And as a result, many of us do this, and this is, comes out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 19. It says, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. Think about that. Uh, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. It's, it's, it's picture a city with, you know, we don't build cities like this anymore, but it used to be you would have a city surrounded by a great wall. Because that wall was your protection. That wall was kept the good people in and the bad people out. And so for so many people, and maybe you've done this in your own life, that when there has been a hurt in an area in your life, what is your natural tendency? Is you build the wall. We build a wall that says, I will never let that happen again. You build a wall that says, I will never be that vulnerable again. And the thing about walls is walls keep everything out. And so when we build a wall around our heart, it just doesn't keep the bad things out. It keeps the good things out just the same. And here the, the, the author is saying when we build, when because of offense, we build these fortified cities. And then it goes in the second half of the verse. And disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Um, have you noticed that when you get hurt, 
it's so much easier to argue and fight and deal with something else than it is actually to deal with the problem. Because it's easier to, to project. I can, if, if, if I feel hurt, then I'm going to go on the attack. And I'm, if I can go on the attack, then I can, make, I can make the issue out here versus in here. I'm not ever going to get in a fight that I actually open my heart and deal with it. I would rather go on the attack, let me see if I can inflict pain upon you, hurt you, because I feel that's how I defend myself, that's how I protect myself. And I think it's natural that all of us do this. Why? Because we hate pain. Nobody likes to feel uncomfortable. It is an absolutely miserable thing. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take just a few minutes and talk through a list of some different offenses. There's no other reason for me to do it than, than maybe there's a point of connectivity for you. I want to highlight something not just because I'm trying to put my finger on a moment of pain in your life, but I'm, I'm hoping to show you this morning that there is a God and Father that wants to finally bring healing to the hurt. Uh, one of those, the, 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 the things on the list that I want to walk through is things like um, betrayal. Have you ever been betrayed before? Uh, maybe there was a friend that shared some personal information about you. I mean, you confided in them, but then they turned and told somebody else. I mean, you felt like they had no business doing this. There was that sense of betrayal. Or maybe that you've um, felt being falsely accused. You know what it is? You're in the office and, and you don't get along with that person. And, and then there's the issue that happens and all of a sudden people are blaming you for poor work that it wasn't your responsibility anyway. But because they didn't want to admit it themselves, they're throwing you under the bus. They're falsely accusing you. Um, maybe another offense for you has been you've just you've been rejected. I don't know a person on the planet that, that likes being rejected. Maybe you've heard that phrase before from a spouse, from someone you cared about deeply. And they said, I don't love you anymore. Can there be a more uh, damaging set of words than those? I mean, it's heartbreaking to feel that rejection. For others, an offense has, has gone to another level and maybe you've been the recipient of some form of Abuse, whether it's a verbal abuse, a spiritual abuse, an emotional abuse. There's a good chance that in here some of you have been sexually abused or at the very least physically abused. And so to think that we're all going to come together and we're all going to just sing the Christmas songs and, and it's all going to be okay when in reality there have been things in our life, moments in our life, seasons and chapters in our life where they have embodied such pain because abuse has come and we felt violated, we felt helpless. And even though it's a part of our life we wish we could never even think about again, the reality is we walk with a limp. We walk with that pain daily. It's that offense that has come and we can't seem to get past it. And the last offense I want to highlight, uh, maybe for some of you who've felt this before, um, you've been humiliated. Your ex-husband's um, new life and new wife are now put on display on Facebook and it feels like everything on there is just 
digging at you, to embarrass you, to highlight your shortcomings. There's a reason why I bring up this list of betrayed and falsely accused and rejected and abused and humiliated because these were the very things that Christ went through. These were his offenses. If you remember, even as you know that Easter story, and we're not going to go through every detail, but just to remember that Jesus was betrayed by his own disciple Judas for some silver. Jesus was falsely accused. If you remember, this happened while he was being questioned. His entire earthly ministry was coming under question, and he was being accused of all these false things. He was rejected by Peter. You remember Peter? He, Peter was in the courtyard and, and falling behind Jesus even as he was being questioned. And a little girl comes up to Peter and says, aren't you with Jesus? Aren't you one of his followers? And what's his response? I don't know the guy. For Jesus, he was also abused. He went through the beating. He went through that horrible process of crucifixion. He felt it all. And then lastly, he was humiliated. Because if we're accurate about how people were were even crucified, Jesus would have hung on that cross naked. Bloody, bruised, nailed to wood. And to do it with no dignity left. Hanging there naked before everybody. Why do I bring this up? Because I think one of the most powerful verses that we can come across, it comes out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Look at it together. It says, That's why he, being Christ, had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. Your Savior has walked through everything, has felt everything, That you've ever felt. The hope in all of that is simply to know. As much as it might feel like you're alone. You know what? You're not. And there's something about empathy. There's something about someone willing to come alongside of you. And be there. Not to solve your problems. But to understand your pain. I came across a story of uh, this mother and her second grader. Um, Her name was Hannah. And Hannah comes home from school one day. And she's got um, on the sweatshirt she wore that day. She's got a a little bit of of blood um, stained on her sweater. And she's got a circle of, of mud that's dried on her backside. And her mom was like, there's gotta be a story here, Hannah. What happened today? At school, and Hannah starts to tell the story of they were on recess, and it was her friend, uh, her friend's grace, her time to kick the ball during kickball out on the on the playground on the asphalt. And Grace isn't the most graceful 
person and she went to kick the ball and as she did she got her feet tangled around her feet came out from underneath her like in a Charlie Brown movie and she landed on the asphalt and she scraped herself up kind of good and on top of everything she landed in a puddle and so the mom hearing the story from her daughter Hannah is thinking this is kind of a cutesy little kid story and and uh, so the mother says to Hannah Hannah so what did you do did you run in and get the nurse for your friend and and Hannah goes, no, I didn't. Um, the fastest kid in our class said he would run in and get the, the nurse and come back. And then the, the mother says to Hannah, Hannah, then why are you muddy? And she said, because I sat in the puddle. And the mom said, so why did you sit in the puddle? And she said this, because Grace was alone and I thought she needed a friend. And I remember as I heard the story, I'm thinking, isn't that the best picture? Because when you've walked through pain, how many times in your life have you come across someone that that gave you the list of things to do to help solve your pain? Hey, you know what you need to do right now is you you just need to do this. or You you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Or you realize that, that everyone has it hard. And in their attempts to encourage, they're not encouraging, are they? But it's different when someone comes alongside of you that sits in your puddle just so that you're not alone. That changes everything. And this is what I believe with all my heart. That because of what Jesus went through and his offenses... It's now positioned him to come sit next to you with your skin knees in your puddle to say, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. That is the story of Christmas. And this is where I just want to highlight for a couple minutes and then we're going, to, we're going to bring things to a close here. And that is, I'm, I want to help out any way I can practically, especially if you are, are here today and Christmas is not a good season for you. What I'm not going to offer you is this. I don't have a three-step plan that by the end of the day you're going to walk out of here and everything's going to be better because I think that's somewhat insulting to some of the stories that you have. I do believe that God's word shows us some things that help puts us on a path that leads to hope. And so what I am praying for, and even in preparation for today to be with you, was that even in this moment, God would start you on a journey where he would come alongside and say, I'm here. Let's walk this out together. Knowing full well for some of you, your story is going to, this, this process of healing is going to take years. But it doesn't mean that God's not there. In fact, it's the opposite. It's God saying, I will walk with you every step of the way, no matter how long this takes. And so I want to share just three quick things with you this morning in a point of application. Because I believe that when Jesus views your pain, it comes through a different set of eyes because he has walked through it himself. 
And so the first one is this, and, and in all honesty, when, when I deal with this kind of topic, this is me, um, as I describe here. So number one, stop ignoring the pain. I'm an ignorer. As I've gotten older and I'm 40, how old am I, honey? 43. Am I 43? I have to do the math now. How bad is it that when you're like, how old am I? You're like, this is the year I was born. This is the year it is now. And I have to actually do the math. That means something about how old I am too. But I am, I'm the kind of guy that ignores the pain. I'm the kind of guy that my wife says, Scott, you need to go to the doctor. Like, here's, here's my confession time. Can I confess to you today? I, I currently, like right now, my left foot is like always in pain. And my right elbow, I feel like I have tennis elbow and I don't play tennis. But every day I'm like, huh, someday I should probably do something about that. And then I'm like, eh, I'll get through today. It's not that bad. I'm like, so you need to go to the doctor. You should at least have it checked out. You should at least talk to someone. Which, you know what? That is wisdom. I just choose not to listen to it. <laughs> I, I, I treat my body the same way I do that leftover in the Tupperware that's in the fridge that's been there for three weeks. We don't know what it is anymore, but let's just not open it and deal with it. That's, that's how I tend to view things. And I know that if... If there's a moment in my life, there's a part of my life that has been hurt, that has been offended, there's a bruising of my soul. At some point, I have to actually admit that it, it needs some help. It's easy for us, it's easy for me to just say, no, it'll be better. It'll get better on its own. I'll deal with it. I'll take care of it. And I think the whole time, our Heavenly Father is saying, haven't you taken care of it long enough? How about we take care of it once and for all? And so I know it starts with each of us saying, I've got to acknowledge the pain. Some of us, sometimes when we acknowledge it, we're afraid that if we acknowledge it, then we give that thing power. And some of us that may have even come from church traditions that to acknowledge a pain is somehow a statement of lack of faith. Or now you're bringing on this pain into your life. I think it's the exact opposite. I think to acknowledge the pain is to live within a reality. But then to do it for the purpose of now, Father, I need your presence here amidst this pain. Which takes us to the second thing I have for us this morning. That is simply to invite God to the pain. This sounds so Sunday school-esque and so simple. But how often do we continue to take the ownership of the things in our life all on ourselves, and we neglect to simply say, Father, will you come to this area of pain in my life? Why? Some of us do it because we, we have pain in our life because of our own choices. And when that happens, when you do something that creates pain on yourself, it is covered by a layer of shame. And when we are... When we have shame with something, then we don't want to invite others to see it, including God. It's embarrassing. It's overwhelming. We know it's no one else's fault but ourselves. But I also know that for some of us, there have been things done to you. It wasn't by your choice at all. They were unsolicited attacks. They were things that were brought against you. 
that they still have brought with it that layer of shame. And it's just embarrassing to talk about it, even to pray about it. We feel like it's just our problem to bear. And I think the power here is when we turn to our Heavenly Father and say, will you please come to the place of this pain? Here's the beautiful thing about it all. Whenever we pray that, Jesus himself will come to our side, will sit in our puddle with this response. I know what it feels like. But we've got to invite him. We've got to invite him. Fight through that pain. Fight through that wall around the citadel that we think is there to protect ourselves. And then the last thing I want to share with you before we close is this simple idea. And this is, this is hard. This is a hard concept because we think that whenever something is done against us, it's easy to compartmentalize it and you were completely a victim and they are just evil incarnate. And I'm not saying that there aren't some evil incarnates out there that have affected you. But it is number three, remember that I need forgiveness too. And that's, that's a personal way of saying it. Remember that all of us are broken. Remember that all of us are broken. And as much as I might want justice because of what someone has, has done something to me, that other person wants justice for what was done to them. I... And this is not condoning behavior at all. This is not, this is not there where people shouldn't take responsibility. But it's like this. Maybe you grew up in a home that mom and dad, they weren't um, affectionate, attentive. They didn't give their approval on hardly anything. It was a hard home. Maybe it was an abusive home. And we can look at a parent and be like, why, why were they like that and all I was is just innocent. And I would say that is true. Every child is innocent. But when we start to examine what kind of home did your parents grow up in, then it might frame up a level of understanding. Not permission, but understanding. Of, there's a good chance that if you grew up in a home that was harsh and abusive, there's a really good chance that your parents grew up in a home very similar. Why is this? It's because hurt people will in turn hurt people. I think for the most part, the overwhelming majority of people you come across in your life, even those that have offended you, they're not evil incarnate people. But they are broken. They're broken people that are doing the best they can to protect their own brokenness. And as a result, they tend to break other people. Sometimes if we're going to walk through a process of healing and ultimately forgiveness, it's going to happen when we recognize that we are just like everybody else. We all carry our brokenness. We all have our things. We all have our regrets. We all have our pains. We have all done things that are an attempt to protect ourselves that ultimately still hurt other people. 
And when we frame it up that we're not just the victim, that the whole world is its conspiracy around us to hurt us and just say, no, we find ourselves in the midst of broken humanity. Then it also frames up for us that maybe we're all in this together. Maybe we can walk through this together. And the beauty of it all is that our Father, our Heavenly Father, took care of it all through the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ, because He knew that humanity was broken. We all have our skin knees. We're all sitting in the puddle. We all have our offenses. We all have our abuses. And that's why He came for all of us. None of us are exempt. The book of Romans says it this way, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so I want to close simply with this. And again, I, I, wish, I wish I could stand before you today and say, you know what, if you're one of those dealing with pain, then I'm going to pray with you. And when you leave here today, everything's going to be perfect. I wish I could say that, but it's probably not the case. What I do want to do is pray a powerful prayer that you begin a journey, that you continue a journey that maybe you started a year ago, 10 years ago. But you still walk with the limp, you still deal with the pain. And so I, I just want to take a moment and, and not be in a hurry, but let the moment be for what it is. And I would invite you to close your eyes and bow your head. You might be one of those that are in here today and you're like, Scott, I hear everything that you're sharing with us this morning, but I don't have the big, dark chapters in my life. I don't have the wounds that cut deep. And for that, if that is your story, I am so thankful. But I want to ask of you today that you would have an awareness unlike ever before. Because there's a good chance that you might be sitting next to someone that's sitting in the puddle. And I would pray that God would use you to be that empathetic friend, not to solve the world's problems over your, your friend or that, that hurt person you come across, to, to be someone that's willing to get a little dirty just so that someone else doesn't feel alone. But you might be here today and you're like, Scott, the moment you started talking about Christmas was a moment that even in my own stomach, it clenched a bit because this is a season of pain for me. And I want to protect the privacy of the moment, but I also want to pray specifically. If, if, if that is you, could you do me a favor and just give me a quick look or a quick hand or just something? I just want to know who I'm praying for. pray our most gracious heavenly father I am thankful that at the heart of this season is you giving a gift to a broken world And we are acknowledging that we find ourselves in this broken world with our own brokenness. And we say, dear Father, will you please come and help us? 
Our hurts are deep and many. We wish we could just walk it off and we've ignored it for a long time, but it's never gone away. And we're saying, Lord, please come. Please come to the very place of our hurt and pain. Bring your healing. Bring your power. Bring your empathy. Bring your hope. Bring what only you can do in our life. Because, Father, I believe that what you want to do is give the gift of wholeness and health and life where there was once pain. Through an act of our own will right now, Father, we we say, will you please come into my pain? Will you draw close? Especially in those shameful parts. Please come. And Father God, I, I pray over these amazing people this morning that your presence would be so tangible that they would know that you are sitting in the very puddle with them, with your arms around them, to let them know they're not alone, that you are here, not just to understand, which you certainly do, but ultimately to heal. God, I pray blessing over those that are continuing in a process of healing in their life. I pray that you faithfully show up as you do. Because, Father, I know that for some of us, walking into a place of health, it can take years. But, God, we want to be a part of the process. We don't want to close it off like the Tupperware in the fridge, but we want to continue to invite your presence into that need. So, Father, please come. Bring your healing. Bring your hope. Bring your help. Father, we thank you that we are not alone. And we thank you that this whole thing embodies the very heart of Christmas. And I'm praying that over each and every one of us here, that just like our whole life separated from you was crimson, knowing that you want to make it white as snow. I pray, Father, that we could truly have a white Christmas. We thank you for this, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Wasn't that a great word? Come on, clap like you mean it. Don't patty cake. Thank you, Scott. That was, that was awesome. Hey, I, I was listening to uh, Pastor Stephen Furtick on TV this, this week, and I was watching him, and he said, he said, we all need some MMA in our life. How many MMA fans? Anybody an MMA fan? Nobody in the room is an MMA fan. There's one of you. All right, kind of. Anyway, MMA, the mixed martial arts, except he was saying we need some Monday morning application in our life. So I just want to encourage you, don't just listen to what was said today. Let's, let's take this. Let's do the hard work. And, uh, and let's face it, I know I got, I took a ton of notes and, uh, and I know I got some work to do in my life. Amen. Don't judge me. I'm in progress.